just being able to pick the brains of someone that's been ahead of you or where you want to go, you can kind of shorten that gap and see what's a reflective approach. Okay, I'm here. I want to be there. What steps do I have to do in between? Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us, and he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, In addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with him to successfully close on deals. When we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record, but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, you know, he's brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there and we've built a relationship with him and Eastern Union Funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, We have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals. And people who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor, but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've, the deal you've got And assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors. Uh, All you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, But besides that, you know, the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com and his phone number 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners, how are you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Scott Hollister, how are you doing, Scott? I'm doing well, Joe. How about you? I am doing well and nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Scott. He's a full-time real estate investor and agent. He began investing in single-family homes in 2012. He has personally done five rehabs himself. He is also transitioning now into commercial real estate investing. He has a podcast called Book Club Interview Podcast, and he's based in Vernon, Rockwall, Connecticut. With that being said, Scott, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yes, sir, Joe. I started as a Connecticut teacher for four years. I graduated college in 2012, mostly did health education and PE. And all the while, 
rewind a little bit, my parents lost their house during the crash. So that was kind of my drive to get into real estate. So with my first paycheck, I purchased two single family homes on one lot. I rented out one, lived in the other. So I knew if I ever lost my job, there was no way I could lose my home as well. So that's that could push me into real estate. And then as a teacher, I also started being a personal trainer training in the summers and after school hours and coaching as well. And, but all that led to really developing more jobs. So I took a reflective approach and I was doing a fix and flip at the time. And it really changed my mind that when I turned it to a rental, that income was running around the clock, no matter what. Whereas if I was being a personal trainer, I only got paid for the time I was there. And the same thing as being a teacher, it was active income. So fast forward to last year, I left teaching full-time to pursue real estate investing full-time, and I wear currently three hats. So that's as an agent, moving more towards the commercial in Connecticut, and as an investor full-time looking for passive income investments, buy and hold. And the third is a broker of private and hard money, so finding creative capital sources for people's investments. How do you make money on the third thing, finding creative capital for other people's investments? typically it's points. So my mother's been a lender for 30 years, mostly residential for the first 25, but the last seven in the hard money and private. So she had a broker she connected me with. We had dinner and he kind of taught me, oh, it's called the secrets of the trade, but how to follow the path of money and how to add value to other people's lives. But typically a lender is going to want points for their administration and office fees. And then as a broker, you would charge your points in addition to that providing the capital, putting a deal together, and fitting the right lender with the right borrower. Is there a license that you have to get in order to do that? Not in the state of Connecticut. And that's the great thing about it. As opposed to being an agent, you're given splits. And as a broker, you get to keep 100% of that point. So I kind of like a little bit more, a little bit more freedom. And again, it's easier to work from home as opposed to being out and showing properties and things like that. You did five rehab projects personally. Can you talk about that? Yep. My father was a blue collar worker. He dropped out of high school. So he's pushed me to go to college, but he was always tinkering at home. So I kind of learned the trades through him. So whether that's hanging drywall, refinishing floors, painting, trim, crown, doing kitchens, tile work. And my philosophy was always, if I really messed up something and as long as I could watch a YouTube video, kind of figure out how to do it. Worst case scenario, I just had to hire someone on the backside, but I knew if I gave it a shot, I could probably pull it off. Let's talk about the fifth one. So the last one that you did personally, can you give some numbers and just a business plan? We purchased that in town. This one was a partnership, my friends, Ryan and Jake, and we used private financing for that. So that was 110 purchase price and ARV was 200. We put about $28,000 of rehab work. We did all the work ourselves from start to finish. So this was more of a job than an investment because it was active income. We gave our lender 10% fixed, paid at closing. So no carrying costs during the project. And we were in and out within nine months. It was another tough project because I was working full-time as a teacher. So trying to be over there on nights and weekends made it difficult. The areas of focus that you have right now in real estate, which one makes you the most money? I'd say the investor because out of the other two, there's still active income. So I try to allocate as much time as I can to 
taking a reflective approach. And this is what I've learned from reading books and going to events and listening to great podcasts such as yours is really focus on those big dollar activities and what you can allocate the larger chunk of your day towards. When you say the investor, because that's more passive, can you give an example of the last deal that you bought? Last deal I bought was still a single family rental. I love the B plus, A minus class rentals, tenants that really care about the property, have good credit scores, good income. And moving forward, the commercial aspects, we're underwriting smaller multifamily deals in the 10 to 25 unit range currently. All right. Well, let's talk about that single family that you bought. How much you buy it for? What's it rent for? This one was purchased for 100000 I did the rehab myself for about 16000 worth of material. I appraised at one eighty-five, and then went to the bank, refinanced out 80% of that. So I was able to pull out some tax-free cash on the refinance and just was able to pay off a hard money lender. And then also the HELOC I used for the down payment. Wow. That's incredible. You bought it for 100 You put in sixteen, so all in one sixteen, and it appraises for one eighty-five. That's quite the find. How'd you find it? That was an MLS REO. It's really tough right now. I'm sure in most areas that anything that's listed on the MLS has a lot of eyes on it. There's going to be multiple bids. Banks like to use a certain period, 10 days before any offers are even looked at. So that was about a year ago. And my philosophy then was being the first person in the door as fast as possible with a very good offer. You used a hard money lender and a line of credit. So that leads me to believe it was an all cash offer that you were able to close really quickly. Yes. What were the terms of closing? Well, that was 12% three points. And back then I was doing a 10 day window inspection. That was the only contingency I wanted just because I wasn't comfortable taking things cash as is. Now I'm a little bit more comfortable, but it's still that unknown of, we have a huge thing in the Northeast right now is failing foundations where there's bad concrete poured with a certain quarry. It's like the top right of Connecticut, but foundation costs about $150,000 to remedy that. That would be a problem. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be a big problem. Quick way to go in the negative. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You've got a podcast called the book club interview podcast. Why did you start it? Well, Thanks to you, Joe. I have the best returns on investment this last year. It's been tough being a full-time entrepreneur. It's a total mind shift. You're in control of your own day and your own schedule. So that led to me starting a goal of reading a book a week. And as a former teacher, I love that education and just reading and reading. And I came across your best ever advice, volumes one and two. And I loved it. It was great because you can get in the minds of professional real estate investors and learn from them. And in the back of the book, I think you said, when you read something like an article or something out, reach out to that author. So what did I do? I reached out to you and we had a great conversation. And you said along the lines of building some credibility and and combining a couple of your passions. And at first I was thinking about like a YouTube channel, but then the podcast had better hits and I read a book a week. And now I'm lucky enough to talk with that author for about an hour. So I owe a lot to you. Well, you approach it in such a smart way. You didn't just reach out to me because I personally can't have conversations with everyone who reaches out to me. My investors and my apartment communities would fail because I would be just on the phone all day long. What you did is you reached out to me and you said, I want to pay you for your time. And you paid me 
for my time for us to talk 30 minutes or an hour. I don't remember what it was, how long it was. And then we had a conversation and that stood out to me. And that's the type of mindset that sets someone like you apart from other people because you recognized that an investment of however much it was to have our conversation was likely, although not guaranteed, to have a good return, both on your time and also your money. And who cares if it's with me or with someone else? I'm not saying reach out to me and ask me to work with you and pay me for it. I don't care about that. The point of this is that you did something different from what the masses do. One, you read the book and then you actually followed up on the advice. But then two, you did something above and beyond that. And it's similar advice that I give when you're wanting to reach out to brokers and you don't have that experience that other investors might have in the commercial space, offer to pay them for their time. And I can almost guarantee, unless they're a listener of the show, they've never been offered that to be compensated for their time. And that will set you apart from other investors. So props to you on that. What are some takeaways that you've learned from the author conversations? Being surrounded by some of the top authors of even all time. Thanks to you. I've got about 17 episodes out right now. And if it wasn't for that and putting them in the spotlight a little bit, there'd really be no incentive for them to sit down with me for an hour. So it's a great and unique way to just sit down with such a knowledgeable person, such as yourself. I've got to interview Jay Papazon with The One Thing and, and David Allen getting things done and having that conversation. And even before and after the podcast, there's small talk that goes into it. And just being able to pick the brains of someone that's been ahead of you or where you want to go, you can kind of shorten that gap and see what's a reflective approach. Okay, I'm here. I want to be there. What steps do I have to do in between? Any in particular interview, and you can't name mine, not that you would, but just so we're being objective, any particular interview that really stands out as one that you got a lot from? Yeah, I'd say the first one, Dave Van Horn. I had this idea, right, that you put in my head of greening the credibility and bigger pockets just came out the thing of note investing by Dave Van Horn. I messaged him and I said, hey, I'm thinking about starting this idea. Would you be interested? We jumped on a call and he said, yes, absolutely. And he said, you know what, this guy about, I don't know how many years ago, Joe Fairless, who called me and asked me to be on his show. And he's like, that reminds me of the same thing. So I'd have to say just the first one, still nervous about it, but great experience. And then how have you applied those lessons to what you're currently focused on, which is finding a commercial property? Just the networking aspect, I think of it works the best and being surrounded by other people that even though they might not be in my region, once you have that network of investors, you might be looking in another region. Oh, I have so-and-so to call or I can connect you because there's a few emails going back and forth, a few phone calls. So once you have that person on the show, it makes it really easy to establish a relationship and keep that growing forward. What type of properties are you looking at? Buy and hold, multifamily, B-class, working class, buy and hold long-term. And what team members do you need in order to find that first deal? I'm sorry, or poorly worded question. What team members do you have in place so far? I meant to ask that question. So 
there's been books out there that go through the whole process of setting up the brokers, finding the property management team, getting a good lender or broker that's going to set up the terms so you can underwrite your deals to them. And I think the last piece of the puzzle is getting in those few small circles that as you move up in the commercial world, those brokers do the bulk of the multifamily deals. It's a little bit different than residential. They have a list of X amount of buyers that they can call first and typically work the transaction that way. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? Invest in yourself. I'd say the best return on investments the last year have been buying every book someone's recommended me, two, going to live events, and three, conversations with investors like you and authors like you. What's the best live event you've been to? Jake and Gino's. What'd you learn? Don't be afraid to ask. I think we are surrounded by such an amazing group. As a teacher, you're put in this, what kind of area do you teach? You're like, oh, you're a health teacher. Okay, that's great. But as an investor, it's different. In that aspect, I know it's kind of vague, but you're never really judged. You're thought of as an equal, you're an investor. And anybody I've ever asked something of has been more than happy to give time. And I think it's just asking. All you got to do is just ask and provide value. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, Make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at thereifoundation.libson.com. Best ever book? How relevant is this question for you? Best ever book you've recently read? Recently read? That would have to be The Banker's Code by George and Tone. Best ever deal you've done? Probably be that first strategy I did. Purchased for 100 appraised for 185 with a 16K rehab. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Due diligence wise, trusting, but not verifying. Can you tell us the example? What happened? And making sure that what is listed on the MLS is the same that's listed in the town records. For instance, if it's a well, make sure it's hooked up to a well. If it's not city sewer or city water, big ticket items like that scare me. So we have a lot of septic systems and wells up here and foundations. Those are the three that can get you. Did you get burned on one? Not necessarily. Caught it the last second. Asbestos was another thing, but my agent working with the time, that was three years ago, did his due diligence. So I think partnering with a very strong person that has that resource and that education is key. Best ever way you like to give back? Two favorite charities. One is Jamie's Run, which is a nonprofit here in Connecticut or children's cancer. And the other is Hole in the Wall Game Camp, which is Paul Newman's. It's in Ashford, Connecticut. Those are my two favorite charities. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on and listen to the book club interview podcast? 
on podcast and a Facebook page, a book club interview, starting to build an Instagram page for more of quotes and photos for motivation and my website, davidwesleyrealestate.com. Well, Scott, thank you so much for being on the show, talking about one of the rehabs that you've done, the incredible deal on buying it for 100, putting in 16 and appraising for 185 and doing a cash out refinance on it, getting all your money back, as well as how you've gotten to this point and where you're headed. It's clear that you're someone I would bet on to continue to achieve your goals because of the way you approach it. Robert Kiyosaki says, the richest people in the world build a network. Everyone else looks for work. You are adhering to that. You are building a network the right way. And best of success to you and looking forward to continuing to hear how things go. Really enjoyed our conversation. And thanks again for being on the show. And thank you so much, Joe, for everything you put out and everything you've done for me. I really appreciate it. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation podcast at com.